0: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Everybody say, He is one Lord. one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now going to Jude, verse number 25. Jude chapter number 1, verse 25. says, To the only wise God, everybody say, the only wise God, God. our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever, amen. To the only wise God, Jude says, Moses said in Deuteronomy, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord. Everybody say one. one. And it's from these verses of scripture, and you're probably going to try to figure out what in the world is he doing this morning. But I have three words for my title. Perspective, purpose, and promise. Perspective, purpose, and promise. I want the word of God to have its way this morning. I want the word of God to have its way today. Can we talk to the Lord this morning? Lord, we love you. My God, I thank you for what I feel in your house this morning. I thank you for the unction of the Holy Ghost that is in this place. My God, I pray today that you would anoint these lips of clay, that you would anoint my mind, that I would only say the things that you prompt me to say. God, I pray this morning that you would not only anoint their ears, but anoint my ears to hear what you have to say today. God, and let it find its mark in my heart today. God, that I can bear the fruit of your word. God, as it grows and as it germinates in my life, oh Lord. I'm asking that you would do these things today in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Can we give them a hand clap of praise in this house today? I love you, Jesus. I magnify you, O Lamb of God. Oh, I worship you, Jesus, and I praise you. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The glory of the Lord is in this place this morning. Hallelujah. I want to be respectful to his presence. I don't want to. Push past what he wants to ha- happen this morning, and if it means I stop in the middle of what I've, I'm, I'm bringing forth, then we'll we'll stop. Amen. But I, I want as I'm introducing this message this morning, I I, I got a text message yesterday, <clears throat> and I, I feel like it's fitting to put it in right now. And that is, my my father-in-law, my my bishop, he sent me this message, and there is a man missionary uh he has many many works under him there in brazil elder john lambeth he preached a couple of the services this past week it's wonderful powerful powerful uh i will say a man of god one who i believe walks in the role of of prophet in many in many aspects and uh he sent out this message, and originally it was just going out to a select few, but it says, Monday, fast. It's an urgent day of apostolic prayer and fasting on August the 7th, which is tomorrow, by the way. I just got this yesterday. And he just mentioned that Just in case you have not heard, on Monday, August 7th, a very large number of apostolic ministers and even whole congregations are uniting their voices in prayer and bodies in fasting against the worst demonic onslaught of recent years, defying our precious anointed ministry. These horrible attacks have targeted fiery darts against our holy men of God, our precious families, and even our faithful congregations saints this upcoming monday fast has become huge and widespread and because of the spontaneous sharing the news of the fast has echoed everywhere via text i have received dozens maybe even hundreds of confirmed commitments and fast to fast and pray this coming monday Since there are no no set rules as to how long to fast or how many hours to pray, all I ask is be as spiritually intense as you can to overpower overpower Satan with your focused consecration. Do not cease until you sense divine confirmation through the Holy Ghost. Another suggestion he, he mentions is please do not pray just for yourself. This would, defy, this would defy the whole purpose of fasting, by the way. That's my interjection. While your situation may be dire and urgent, there are many other hurting apostolic men and women groaning under these painful, demonic, satanic attacks from every side. You are not the only one under spiritual oppression. Because many requests are of confidential nature, And also to avoid inadvertently forgetting a special request or more. I will refrain from sharing names. And it goes on to talk about a lot of other things. But I will tell you this. It's time for the people of God to rise up. And to get busy. About the things of the Lord. And one of those things is going to war. With hell. We don't focus on hell, folks. But what we do is we rise up spiritually and we raise a standard for the Lord. Tuffy said he, he, he began listening to on, on or he played Wednesday night raising a standard or the important understanding the standard or something like that. Lifting the standard. It's important that we as the church lift a standard. We lift a standard of holiness, which glorifies the Lord. Amen. This isn't part of my notes, but it's important that, and one of the ways, it's important to do this, and and one of the major ways to do this is through our prayer and our fasting. And so what I'm asking is tomorrow morning, I'm actually, I'm going to start my day here. I'll be here at the church no later than six in the morning. And I'll spend some time here until I feel like I'm I definitely have, I have to be at my desk by no later than 8.30 in the morning but I want to spend as long as I can in the presence of the Lord and then tomorrow evening I'll be back here but if you want to be at the house of the Lord I do have a lockbox here that I haven't mounted on the church yet that has a key sitting in it I just need to get it mounted so that you can get in and out of the church but um, if, if worse comes to worst, we'll just hide a key for a day uh, let everybody know where it's at so you can get in and out of the church. I would leave the church unlocked, but we've had too many crazy things happen here. So, um, But if you want to come to the church and pray, I encourage you to do that. Um, the house of the Lord is always open if you want to come. We'll make sure that we get somebody here to open the door for you. But uh, just encouraging you, if you can't come to the church... Or you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's fine. But I am asking you, join us tomorrow in some form of fasting, some form of prayer. But don't just do a just a simple little prayer. Don't just go through the motions of talking to the Lord and, and putting up a petition. I'm asking you, let's press past that and let's let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And if you and and if you want to meet me up here, that's fine. Message me. We'll talk. We'll figure out what time we can get together. We'll have a time of prayer. I'm telling you, there is power in the asserted efforts and the joined efforts of people reaching out to the Lord in prayer. And this is not just a just as I mentioned. He's from Brazil. Uh, he 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 mentioned in the text. I didn't read all of it because there's some other stuff in there. Um, not just because there's so much stuff in there. But he said there's there's a church in Egypt doing this today. There's there's churches all around the world doing this joining us in fasting and prayer, and I'm just asking that you would do the same with us tomorrow. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Perspective, purpose, and promise. I want to begin by taking a look at Job this morning. I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I want to take some time just a few moments, just to, just to go to Job. Now, many of us know the story of Job. Many of us understand that Job had a hard way to go. He had some problems arise in his life. and Job began to be attacked. We know, from, because we read the whole story, we see that the enemy went to the Lord and the Lord suggested Job to him. And the Lord gave him permission to step into Job's life. And so the enemy began to work his best to get Job to curse God. He did his best to work against Job. We know the source of his problems was the enemy. But Job never, and I'm not going to re-preach a message that I heard a couple of weeks ago, but Job never considered that it was the enemy, not one time. He only considered that God counted him worthy to be tried. I'm going to throw this challenge out. I challenge you to find one time that Job pointed his finger at the enemy in the entire book. I submit to you, I haven't found it yet, but if you do, come and let me know because I don't want to be a liar. Job pointed his finger at his friends and told them, hey, you shouldn't be doing this to me. Job pointed his finger up to God and said, hey, I know God is around. I know God's allowing me to go through this. But God, and and there's one, one scripture, he said, God knows the way that I take. I don't know where he's at, but he knows where I'm at today. I want you to take notice as to what Job did in Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, right after he got the last bit of bad news. In verse 20, the Bible says, Then Job arose, he rent his mantle, he shaved his head, and he fell down upon the ground, and he Worshipped, And he said this, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Nor did he charge the devil, (laughs) but he worshiped the Lord. Job's immediate response to his loss and his tragedy emphasizes how much he loved God. How much he dwelt in the realm of worship to God. Job's desire to be pleasing to God and his his trust in God was shown in Job's response in this passage of Scripture. Job had an understanding that no matter what I go through in life, I know that God is still in control. I know That no matter what happens, no matter what I lose, I never gained it of myself. God blessed me with it. You say, Well, I worked hard for what I have. Well, God gave you the ability to make those decisions and to do that work and to bring in that sustenance for your family. And let me tell you something. Nine times out of ten, when God blesses you in such a way, he's doing it not for you alone, but he's doing it so that you can bless his kingdom because he loves to use people as conduits of blessing, of anointing. (laughs) Uh, I could easily jump ahead of myself. Then we find in chapter number two, it wasn't enough. That the enemy stepped into Job's life, took all of his children in one fell swoop, took all of his farm, took everything that he had except for his wife. And in chapter 2, his wife came to him and said, you know, why are you holding on to your integrity, Job? Just curse God and die. Just give it up, man. Maybe she meant it, maybe she didn't mean it. I don't know, but you all all know and understand what it's like in the heat of the battle. You're not thinking straight. And Job just looked at her, and he responded in verse 9 and verse 10, and he said unto his his wife, then said his wife unto him, dost thou retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? In verse 10, he said to her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And again the word of the Lord says, In all of this did not Job sin with his lips. I'll I'll take a side note here very quickly. It is important. Things that you say about God. It never ceased to amaze me, Brother Tuffy, that the only unpardonable sin in the Scripture is a sin of the lips. I'll park that for a long, for a while. We'll, we'll deal with that on another day. But you've got to be careful what you say. You've got to allow... It. I said I'm going to park it. I'm going to unpark it for a minute, and then I'll park it back. But I want you to understand... There's a reason why God chose tongues as a sign that he now indwells his believers. Go study James. James said, have you ever thought about the helm of the ship or the rudder of the ship? It's a small thing, isn't it, compared to the ship. But that rudder determines the direction of that ship. He said, your words are just like that. What you're saying and how you say the things begins to depict to people the direction in which you're headed. Well, glory. But Job, even in the midst of the heat of the battle, even when his wife is yelling at him and trying to convince him, hey, dude, just give up on it. Like, is it even worth going through the pain that you're going through? Just give up on it. Just let God kill you. You'll be better off. You won't be in pain anymore. Am I wrong? And he still did not sin with his lips. It's amazing to me the integrity that Job maintained through it all, even with his friends. Yeah, there was a time that God stepped in and said, Hey, buddy, where were you at when I created all these things? You think you're so smart? Why don't you tell me how the worlds came into existence? Now, mind you, when God's telling Job all this, you got to keep in perspective. Job didn't have Genesis. It wasn't there yet. Job was written before the book of Genesis was ever written. You ever considered that? When you're reading that last part in God's reprimand of Job, nobody on the face of the earth at that moment, Brother Mendez, knew how creation took place. That's why I think it was so beautiful how Elder Alviar tied in The whole bit of the revelation. How many of you guys know how creation was revealed to man? Have you ever considered it? I know I've said it a couple of times before here, but maybe it was to smaller groups because Brother Mendes said, I've never considered that. So I think it must have been when I was dealing with some others. I know you and I have talked about it. Brother uh, Tuffy and I. I am in good company. Now, there are some that say, I don't believe that. But consider it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys know of the time when Moses met with God and Moses told God, show me your glory? Remember that? And God said, what did he say? He said, you can't see my face. But I'll show you my hinder parts or I'll show you my back. Now, do you think that literally God put him in a cleft of a rock and hit him from his front parts and then all of a sudden when he when he removed his hand that Moses was seeing a man's back? I don't believe that. What is God? Where does he dwell? eternity he's an eternal God so if he were to show Moses his face what would he be seeing God told Moses he said hey bud you can't handle what's coming you can't handle the future you won't know what to do with the future he said, you know what's going on here right now, but let me pass you and let me reveal to you what I've done in the past. And I didn't want to do this. I, Brother Alviar did such a beautiful job teaching. Maybe y'all somebody needs to hear this, but I want you to understand, God knew we couldn't, as humans, mankind, he knew that we couldn't handle the knowledge of the future. <laughs> but he knew that if he showed us the past, That we can look back and say, hey, and it was in this moment, it was in this moment. Let me just digress there very quickly. It was in the moment that God showed Moses his hinder parts that he saw creation taking place. And Moses began to write. And Moses began to depict it all in in a scroll. And he began to, so that's why we have the Torah now, right? The first five books of the Bible. The beginning in Genesis. Moses wasn't alive to experience that, but yet he wrote the book. Where did he get the revelation from? I believe it was in this moment that the scriptures depict that God hit him in the cleft of the rock. He wrote about the the experience that he had there in that time. And and God began to reveal to him. But he didn't just reveal to him the beginning, he revealed to him what happened in, in the garden. He and 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 time after time, think about it in the scripture. God God saw something that was nothing, that was without form and void, and he said, what? Let there be. He spoke, and it happened. God took an impossible situation, and he made something beautiful out of it. Then in the garden, he he put Adam and Eve in the garden, and something happened. Sin crept into the Eden, and the next thing, what happened? They sinned. They disobeyed, but yet God stepped in and helped his people. He even clothed them, right? You keep on going, (laughs) and you talk about Abraham, and you talk about the flood. Moses wrote about the flood. How did Moses know all the details about the flood? God revealed it to him. God showed Moses all of these things. That's why now we have the scriptures. We can go back to the scripture and we can say, man, I'm, I'm facing an impossible situation. <laughs> and now we can go back to the scripture and say, wow. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void. That's impossible. And God said, "So what's that tell me today? All I got to go back and is to talk to the one who can speak worlds into creation. All he's got to do is come down and speak into my situation. And everything's going to be all right. I just got to surrender to him. I got to find grace in his eyes like Noah. And then I know he's going to give me everything that I need to come through. Any judgment that may have to come against other folks. But God's going to keep me. And God's going to help me. You with me today. I am I'm, I'm, i don't want to continue Teaching that lesson again, I may unpack all that one day, and we may start unpacking it and and teaching it in a Bible study, but I want you to understand, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ever asked or think, and he is able to do it if you will just believe. We can, we can, and I'm trying to help somebody build their faith in this place this morning. Maybe under the sound of my voice, I don't know if anybody's listening online, but I just want you to understand, God is faithful if you will just turn to him and believe that he is the Almighty. Hallelujah. God, I'm going to use this word, God is sovereign. Last last uh, Sunday night, I was in Olathe. I don't uh, I don't remember why we went to Olathe. Oh, my sister was in town. Amen. So I wanted I went to be in church with them and spend some time with my sister. And while we were there, as they always do, they asked me to come and say something. And so I did. And something got a hold of me, and I started talking about God's. Sovereignty. Was you listening? Yeah. God is sovereign, folks. You understand what it means to be sovereign? Huh? Anybody know what it means to be sovereign? Let me read it to you. I'll read it to you again. I should have just put it in my notes. Oh, come on now. To be sovereign. To be sovereign means possessing supreme or ultimate power, being independent and free from external control, superior in rank or status. That's what it means to be sovereign as an adjective, as a noun. It means a supreme ruler, especially a monarch. God is the supreme monarch. (laughs) He's the one that sets up and pulls down the thrones of this earth. God is sovereign. He's not controlled by any external being. Nobody (laughs) can control God. Nobody can stop God. Nobody can change what God set into motion. Nobody can be God because he alone is wonderful. And that's why today, God being sovereign, God being almighty, as the elder said the other day, God is almighty. You know what it means to be almighty? <laughs> he is full of might. There is nothing that can That he cannot do. Nothing. Nothing. You say, well, he cannot lie. Well, I'd rather look at it this way. He can tell the truth. (laughs) Because when he speaks, his word is truth. And so when he begins to speak, things begin to happen. Even if it wasn't already happening, God begins to speak and things begin to happen. Amen. Praise God. We talked about Job. We talked about what what happened in his life. We talked about how he responded. Job had unwavering faith and he refused to blame God even in the face of personal suffering. And even when his family turned their back on him and told him, Hey, just just give up and let God kill you. Amen. He, He still stood on his integrity. Amen. And then we began to realize how wonderful and awesome God is. We understand that God created all things, but the one who created all things, amen, took upon himself the fleshly robe, amen, and he came and he dwelt among us, amen, and, and we now know that his name is, what is it? His name is Jesus. We know him as the mighty God in Christ. The Almighty has come and he's taken on a robe of flesh and he's just like you and me. He meant 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 tells me, and without controversies, controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Amen. Jesus is the full revelation of God. Amen everything that god was he meant was fulfilled and 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 and, and dwelt the lord jesus christ he meant, and he walked on the earth and he began to work amongst his creation he meant and back then his creation refused him they rejected him but today we have the opportunity He meant to not reject him. We have the opportunity to to receive the, the promises that he has given us. I'm still talking about perspective. He meant purpose and promise today. He meant I want you to understand. Job's perspective was God is Almighty. Everything He does is right. No matter if it means that I have to go through some things on this earth, I know that God has a purpose in my life, and God promised him and God restored him when it was all said and done. Amen. There is only one God, and we know His name is Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter four, verses five and six says that we only serve one Lord. There is only one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and he works through all and he is in all. Amen. There is only one God and he loves us so much. He begins to use his creation if we will but yield to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm talking about our purpose in the kingdom of the Lord. Amen. The sovereignty of God in creation and redemption is portrayed in 1 Corinthians 8 and 6. But to us there is but one God. Everybody say one God. The Father of whom are all things and we are in him. And the Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we are by Him, Hallelujah! It was by Him that all things are made. But yet He still extended a promise of redemption to each and every one of us. Amen. He, he is still the only One, Amen, that was out there when when He said, "Let there be," and 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 planets and stars and 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 galaxies and universes were coming into being at His spoken word. You understand, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I don't have time to really unpack it all, but I want you to understand, the God that we serve, he didn't just create the earth, he didn't just create the Milky Way galaxy, but when God began to speak, they they've, they've, they've found things light years away from us. They found other galaxies and other, uh, other situations out there, amen, that we can't get to, amen. But God created it, Sister Lenny, by just speaking it into existence. It all began to be there. Amen. Because God said so. And this God that can create universes at his spoken word wants a relationship with me, Brother Tuffy. He wants a relationship with you. And he is sovereign. And nothing in this world can stop this God that I'm talking about. This God that I'm talking about uh, in his sovereignty came and limited himself, uh, as it were, in the flesh. And he hung himself. He allowed himself to be hung uh, upon an old rugged cross. That he made he provided them the sustenance, the, 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 the provisions that they needed, the tree, amen. On which he was hung, he created it. He 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 gave them the breath, he gave them the spittle in which they spat upon him, he gave them the breath in which to use to curse him and and to make fun of him amen he could have shut him up in an instant he could have stopped everything that was happening but God in his sovereignty had a plan and he said I'm going to I'm going to live this plan out amongst my creation because there's only one who can pay the price for what they have to be they have to pay up amen and I don't want them to have to pay because I have a purpose in mind for them, and I need them to get a perspective for my kingdom, and I need them to understand I am promising that I will take care of them, and as he left the earth in Matthew chapter 28, he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay out our lives for the brethren. Amen. God through that fleshly robe that he dwelt in among men, went to Calvary to pay the debt of sin for you and for me. He became sin for us. Amen. It was his only Begotten flesh. It was his only begotten flesh that was hanging upon that tree. Nobody else but my Savior. He loved me so much that he gave me a promise. If you'll just give me your everything, I will, I will give you what you need to accomplish what I've called you to do. I'm talking about purpose. I'm talking about perspective. I'm talking about promise today. Hallelujah. I want I want one last story, and I, I promise you I'm going to bring it down to a close. Amen. I began to think about Elisha and his servant. Amen. Excuse me just a minute. Elisha's servant walked out one day. 2 Kings chapter 6, starting with verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, and he'd gone forth, behold, an host, compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with him. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord, and he said, Smite this people, I pray thee with blindness. Notice, Their perception, they couldn't see anymore. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were come into Samaria that Elisha said this, Lord, open the eyes of these men. That they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. You know who Elisha brought them to? The next verse says, And the king of Israel said to Elisha, and I'll summarize what should I do with these guys? Do I kill them? What do I do with them? I'm not here going to try to unpack the rest of that. There are a few takeaways I want to pull out of this story before I close this morning. In the beginning of this passage of scriptures that I read in your your hearing this morning, when Elisha's servant walked out and tried to go about his daily business, he realized, Brother Mendez, something's not right. And he began to become overwhelmed with the situation in which he found himself with all of the chariots of the enemy surrounding them. Just two men, a servant and Elisha, a man of God. And he runs back and he said, alas, my master, how shall we do? How are we going to do this? Some of you look at me funny sometimes when I say these types of things, but Elisha looked at him and said, Fear not. I can imagine in Elisha's servant's mind, he's going, You don't understand what I just told you. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of horsemen out there waiting to trample upon top of us, and you said, Don't worry about it? What's wrong with you? But the servant had enough respect for the man of God that the man of God said, don't fear. And then immediately Elisha prayed and said, God, open his eyes that he might see. And immediately he looked around and he realized, hey, no wonder, no wonder my perspective was skewed. All I could see was the problem. All I could see was the horsemen. All I could see was I'm about to die here. Well, hallelujah. Anybody been in those positions position before? I'm worried. God, what in the world's going on? I don't know how many times I've looked at you and said, I'm sorry. You just need to pray about it. God's going to help. You say, well, I need more than prayer. I've seen these posts on Facebook over and over and over. You know, sometimes we need to do more than just pray about some things. And I agree kind of with, with what they're saying. But sometimes I'm not, I'm not just coming to you just to say, "Ah, oh, I know you're going through it. I'm, life's good for me, so I'm just going to pat you on the back and say, man, I'm praying for you. I hope everything's well. I promise you, my friend, if I can help you with something, I'll get in there and I'll fight beside you. But if, if i the only answer God gives me is you need to pray, we're going to pray through this. Yes. Then what do we have to do? We have to pray through this. There's nothing else we can do, Brother Tuffy. All we have is the power of our prayer. Because sometimes God's wondering, hey, I've got the troops lined up. Are you willing to trust my way? Right. After it came to the man of God and was and prayer was made, his eyes were opened. To the supernatural. And and this is Sister Cecilia. Sister Mendez was over here talking to me this morning. And I just finished putting these notes together. And it's on my mind. Let me tell you church. We've got to go past the physical. I'm, I'm closing with this. Sister Reagan you want to figure out what you're going to sing today. We've got to go past the. We've got to go past the physical. And we've got to learn to walk in the supernatural. It's scary. You don't, it's, it's uncharted waters for us, physically. But if we dwell in the supernatural like God wants us to, that's where we're going to win. You're reading my mind. That's where, that's where the battle's won, folks. And that's why prayer is so important. Let me tell you something. Daniel found himself in a bad situation. And he was praying and he was praying and he was fasting and he was fasting. And he said, God, you're not hearing me. And I I don't know if he was about ready to give up. And that's why the angel came down and said, hey, hey, don't stop praying. I just want you to know the answer's on the way. But we got to fight through hell first before we can get the answer to you. Just keep on praying. Amen. It's the strength of your prayers that enables the heavenly hosts that are fighting on your behalf. If you don't if you don't believe that prayer can change things, my friend, just stop praying for a month and see what happens in your life. But let me tell you something. I'm not giving up on prayer. This is why. Ye love of Sataya, Hallelujah! This is why I felt like I wanted to read that text message before I started this this message today, because I knew where I was going. And I want you to understand, God wants you to see in the supernatural. We can't just walk day to day, just walking what we can see in the physical. But we've got to somehow learn. God, teach me how to see with my supernatural eyes, the eyes that you've given me through the Holy Ghost. God, let me walk in Your hand. He hand in your hand so that I know what you need from me today. God's sovereign, folks. God's sovereign. Amen. Let me tell you what happens when we begin to walk in the, in the supernatural. When we can, we can see with the eyes of the Spirit, what happens is fear begins to be eradicated. I don't have time to unpack all of it, folks, I just want you to understand there is a scripture that tells us, amen, don't worry about anything, I'm paraphrasing, but pray about everything. Can I get an amen this morning? Hallelujah. If somehow we could all get in tune with the supernatural and we could see what I am seeing, hallelujah somehow church I know i know I haven't pushed it hard I know I haven't i haven't really pushed all of us hard he meant to dig in to the spiritual but let me tell you something I'm needing some warriors that are willing to abide in the spiritual side of things folks that are willing to go past a, an, an everyday mundane relationship with the lord that says god I'm putting on the whole armor because I'm ready to go to fight with with the with the with the kingdom of the Lord. He needs people in the army of the Lord. He needs people, amen, to wear the breastplate. He needs people to pick up their shield of faith. He needs people to pick up the sword of the Lord, amen. He needs people, amen, to get down on their knees and to begin calling on the name of the Lord, amen, every single day. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm trying to shut down. You better get up here and them some hope. But I want you to understand this. I know we're I know we're not busting at the seams, and I know we're not a huge church. But people that learn how to pray and how to walk in the spirit can tear down some strongholds. You hearing me this morning? God needs people who are willing. To fight on the behalf, not just of ourselves, but of others. I, I, I never want to tear down the ministry in anybody's eyes. Sister Winnie, when I go to these conferences, these are the conferences we, we find out who the fallen are among us. Who fell between last year and this year. Talking about saints, I'm talking about ministers. I'm talking about preachers. Some of them been doing it for for decades. Some of them all their lives. Yeah, there was some missing this week. I'm not focusing on that. I'm not going to get discouraged by that. But what's on my heart today? If I can't portray this somehow, I wonder what would happen if the church really started praying for the leadership that he's put in the church. I'm not just talking about you praying for me, but look, there are churches around the world where their ministers are following you. The only thing that I can I can I can put my finger on is simply this. The saints aren't praying like they used to pray for the ministry. Because there's an uprising in hell. I don't want to focus on hell. I don't want to focus on the enemy, but I just want you to understand what's happening. I'm telling you back on January 6th, just before the inauguration, I was in this sanctuary. I was walking these aisles and I was praying and I was stirred because of what was happening that day. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I walked around this room and as I walked down that aisle, and I walked just past that doorway, and I got right behind where Grandma's at, the Spirit of God hit me, and I began to talk in tongues, and I began to pray in the Holy Ghost right back there. I'm not patting myself on the back, folks. I'm just telling you, and I felt like God spoke to me, and He said, today, spirits that have never roamed the earth have been unleashed. And we've been seeing the effects of what happened then. I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on. Those spirits are affecting both sides. Those spirits are trying to work their way into the church. Unfortunately, those spirits have worked their way into some churches. And church, I'm doing my best to fight as hard as I can against it. But Sister Winnie, I can't do it by myself. I need help. I need the prayers of the saints. You can read through the epistles time after time. And you'll see where the apostle Paul said, pray for us, brethren. Pray for us. He said in one spot, he said, pray for us that our faith fail not. I'm not telling you I'm giving up. All I'm telling you is, there's only so much of the battle that a human can fight if you don't have a brother and a sister standing along beside him saying, oh, come on, pastor, you can do this. Come on, pastor, let's, let's, let's press on. Let's have church. Let's spend time together in prayer. That's why I said before church, before I started preaching, I said, look, if you want to meet me up here and let's pray together, let's do it. Because let me tell you something, Hearing the voice of another brother or another sister in the church, Amen. Rising up alongside my voice unto the Lord, I know that the hell, that the gates of hell begin to tremble at the sound of a church that is praying, but not that it's just praying alone in their own little corners, but they're praying together. And they're saying, Hey, we need, we need each other like we've never needed each other before. Amen. Does that mean God's not sovereign? No, but God depends. He only works, amen, in, in, the, in the confines of what we allow him to work. And if we're not praying, and if we're not seeking his face, I'm talking to myself too. I can do some more praying. Amen. I want you to understand that the Holy Ghost is calling us. Amen. Each and every one of you, you got the Holy Ghost. God is calling your number today. And he is saying, hey, I need you to go to battle on your knees. Amen. Not just for me as your pastor. but for the whole church uh, together collectively we need the help of God (sighs) hallelujah I'm not just trying to work us up emotionally but I just want you to know this is what my spirit is crying out this morning God is calling us Uh, God is hollering. he's saying come on uh, children uh, I need you to do my work Uh, I need you to get busy about the father's business God's predestined this church to make it all the way. God's given us the power that we need. And as I say this this morning, I know there's a lot of philosophies out there around predestination, but I can tell you the scripture doesn't teach that individuals are predestined to make it to heaven. That's eternal, unconditional, eternal security. But the Bible does teach me sister Winnie That the church The church Is predestined To be victorious And only those That stay connected to the church Are going to be the ones Who are the victorious What do you say We bind together What do you say We work together this morning, this morning I, and you guys may see a difference in me, but I, I want us to get involved. I didn't come this morning just to just to preach to you and say, hey, I hope I hope that ministered to you and let you go home. But I want us to all come around the front this morning. And I want I want the ladies to join hands. Men, I want us to join hands, and I want us to call on the name of the Lord.